Um, well, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you, I guess, uh, my can testimony. You, can, and then... can you park on or uh, stand on the stage just so the folks in the balcony can see you? Will do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks. Um, start, start with uh, my testimony and the leading into uh, how God has called us and placed us here with Young Life in Topeka. Um, my, uh, my brother John and I were born into uh, a family where our parents uh, received Christ right before we were born. Um, neat story in and of itself, but, um, but through that they had, they had come and uh, wanted to raise us differently than they were raised themselves, so that they wanted to make Christ first in our home, and through that came to know Christ at a young age. Um, something that really going through my, uh, my childhood that um, was just a reoccurring theme and um, uh, very important to my life story is I was born with a birth defect where uh, my right leg grew at a shorter rate than my left leg and I was born with, um, without any knee ligaments. Um, so I had eight major leg surgeries ranging from age 12 to 15, that, um, which was tough because God had given me um, a passion for sports and um, continually having to go back and um, start over with rehab. Um, had a procedure called the Lazarov procedure where they uh, break the bone, pull it apart through pins and metal and looks like a hardware store on your leg. Um, but, uh, but I know that time, I remember some friends recently asked me, was like, did you, did you ever struggle with um, uh, being bitter towards God or asking questions? And I, I really didn't. Um, I had a mom who um, was a continual picture of grace and um, Jeremiah 29, 11 was a verse that um, was quoted daily um, uh, through that. And uh, we, we had to do, we had to spend a lot of time together. Um, and I mean, of her helping take care of me through that and um, cleaning pins um, that were going through my leg. And every time we do that, remember, that was something that, um, uh, that she would share with me along with uh, is when we got done, we'd get baseball cards. So that, uh, that helped us get through. But uh Grew up with, I would, I would say, um, as early as I can remember, had a reverence for God um, that continued on through middle school and even early into high school, but, um, but not, not, a, uh, not a passion for him. But I, I, I revered him, um, saw him as God, uh, and um, wanted to live holy in his sight. Um, but as for what he really wanted for my life, um, it was more of what I wanted. Um, at age 17, um, things really began to change there. Uh, went to a summer camp uh, put on by our church. I went to Topeka Bible Church and um, had a friend at the first night, um, found out later, uh, accepted Christ that night, began a relationship with Christ, and God really began um, pulling in my heart about that and um, placed a specific friend in my heart that um, I had, when he started walking away from God, I kind of stepped away from him. And um, the last night at that camp had a, a, another friend that um, got to help lead to Christ. And that right there of him seeing who Christ was revealed who Christ really was to me and his love for me of how, how God can love someone um, that much, it, it finally really hit me. Um, so my junior and senior year of high school, I really saw that God had placed in me a desire specifically for youth ministry, even though I uh, myself was a youth, I, I realized that God had given me this desire. Um, so heading off to college, looking at what that meant, um, loved playing soccer, wanted to be a youth minister. It made sense. Go play soccer and major in youth ministry. So I went to Southwest Baptist University to play soccer. Um, 
majoring in, in youth uh, ministry education. I don't know what they call the degree, but um, uh, three weeks into the season, um, lacking an ACL, PCL, MCL, and anything else that ends in CL, uh, just uh, it didn't work out with soccer. So, and that was tough. Um, I mean, there, there, there are only a few points in my life I can really look at where I was just really just kind of thrown in doubt and confusion. That was one of them where I'm going, God, I really felt you bringing me here. Um, for these purposes, and this isn't working out, and, um, but, uh, so went through that, still had a, a good semester, enjoyed friends, but realized I'm not in the right place, I, I had a passion really for lost youth, and, um, I was involved on a, a Christian campus, and, um, really not being able to act upon the spiritual gifting that God had given me, and, um, just kind of felt like, yeah, this is a good place, but this isn't for me, um, so came back to Washburn University, and um, w- was excited to be coming back home, but was still, um, was tough because uh, I was going, I, I know I still have this desire to be ministering to youth, but, um, but I don't know how that's going to, um, to play out, and I don't know how I'm going to be prepared for this. Um, so began praying when I came home um, for six months, the same prayer pretty much, is Lord, give me a place where I'm really ministering, where I know you've called me, and bring someone in my life that can help me prepare for ministry, that will mentor me. And um, I was kind of involved in some different youth ministries, but this still didn't really find a real connect with any of them. And then uh, six months later, it was just kind of like, all right, time to answer all those prayers. And uh, I got a phone call um, from uh, Joe Hishma, new to town, um, uh, coming uh, over to Fellowship Bible Church and said, hey, uh, we um, got your name from someone. We have a very small group of youth and we're needing someone to work um, with them, kind of beginning a youth ministry around them. And then um, part of your job would be that I'd uh, be spending two hours a week with you, uh, basically mentoring you and giving you a picture of ministry. I'm like, wow, this just makes sense. Um, And at that same time, got a phone call from someone else about a new ministry that was going to be starting in town um, called Young Life. And at that point, I knew, I really knew nothing about Young Life. It hadn't been in Topeka. Um, The only thing I knew is that... um, my sister-in-law, uh, uh, Abby, our, John I's older uh, brother's wife, um, came to know Christ through Young Life in Wichita. So it had, a, it had a, a, a special place in our heart knowing that God had prepared our brother's wife um, through this organization. And um, so I sat down and found out more about it. And I mean, it just, that ministry really captured my heart of going where kids are, um, loving them where they're at, and through that relationship, sharing the gospel. And... Um, so I was working with uh, Fellowship Bible Church and working with uh, Young Life at the same time, and it's like, man, you can't get a better uh, youth ministry education than that of uh, learning how to fail in those experiences and also seeing uh, good things come alongside too. But uh, so I was going through that. Uh, my junior year of college was at a wedding and, um, where I was reacquainted uh, with my wife, Angeline. Um, she, we weren't married at that point in time. Um, <laughs> We, uh, we knew each other at uh, TBC in the youth group and um, was at a wedding, and she was getting ready to head down to Dallas Theological Seminary to major in uh, youth ministry, and I realized, hey, we're going the same direction. Um, how about you don't go? So uh, we, we, <laughs> we dated for a while before I finally asked her not to go down there, um, but, uh, but it was actually at a, um, uh, in September, uh, following that um, after she had stuck around, she had gone to camp with us to Young Life. I remember her asking questions of, 
Um, I mean, what is this all about? Her first experience with Young Life was going to a week-long living with um, 30 girls, pretty much. So, I mean, that's welcome to Young Life. Um, and uh, she fell in love with the ministry as well. And uh, uh, so, is that actually at a uh, Young Life club where um, in a wearing a costume where I proposed to Angeline with 125 kids going nuts. Um, <laughs> a, a great way uh, to propose, I guess. So. <laughs> um, but uh, as we went on from there, um, I was finishing up my senior year and preparing ahead and uh, was loving what we were doing with the church, loving Young Life. And um, so we came up with a, a role where we did a church partnership where I continued to uh, be the youth minister at the church and also uh, to work with Young Life in the area. And um, it was, it was, it's a great idea. We loved it, but it, was just, it ended up being that basically it was two full-time jobs is what it was um, because uh, um, working with two different groups of kids realistically and um, they all had their own needs and we knew we needed to commit to one and that was a tough decision. I remember God pulling us back and forth um, because we loved being at the church um, on, on staff there. Um, but it, what it ended up being is that God kept breaking and re-breaking our hearts for lost kids. And um, we're just leaving the, those last few clubs when it, we really thought we were going with the church of just basically leaving in tears and going, this isn't, this isn't what, if we're really hurting this much, God has some strings here that he's not really let go of. So um, September of 2006, went full-time with Young Life and been, we've been leading the area since then. So... Um, about a year, just over a year and a half, and um, uh, currently here at Washburn High School, Topeka West High School, desire to grow into more schools, but, um, and just committed to that vision of taking Christ to lost kids, so um, that's me, and that's my story. sure how I feel about this stool yet. I'm a larger guy, so I don't know if this works or not, so we'll see. We'll give it a try. <clears throat> how are you guys? Good? Yeah, Dan's uh, raising his fist back there, so he's giving me support. That's always good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, first of all, I'm just going to say my friends have been asking me when I'm going to actually work up the nerve to speak here. I've been attending Lion the Lamb for about two years, and as I've talked to my friends, I've expressed a desire to, uh, to go into uh, vocational ministry, full-time vocational ministry. And um, When we were up here, me and Ken and Jocelyn, we had gotten back from Haiti. We were up here talking about our experience in Haiti, and it was there that I got to uh, preach um, at the church there. And that was when I expressed to the congregation, if you guys are new, um, the desire to enter into full-time vocational ministry and head into seminary, um, which is exciting. That being the case, I don't know if I'm going to be a lead pastor or a the teaching pastor, where I'm going to have to do this every week, but at some point or the other, I'm going to have to do this, and on a regular basis, and despite just nerves and adrenaline and all that, I just got to get used to it. Me and Mike had a great conversation um, before, and so um, <clears throat> that being said, I was, I was really trying to pinpoint my nervousness, and I was like, why do I get so nervous, and I'm sorry I'm going on, but it's a chance to bless you guys, is that I love you guys. Um, you guys, especially the people that have been here um, for the last two years, I mean, a lot of young adults would say this, especially for the older, um, more mature believers here at Lion and the Lamb. You guys have set an example and a role and have blessed us, whether it's the Camillas or the Billens or 
me personally or Steve Golden. Um, the, the amount of community that we experience here is great, and we've been blessed, um, even the, you know, the Halpin daughters. Um, and so when you speak in front of people that you respect and um, seek wisdom after, you get nervous because, you know, it's like kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like speaking in front of your dad or something like that, I guess. So um, bear with me. Um, I chose today because, well, first of all, um, I've had experience with Young Life myself. Um, I've helped out. It was, uh, it's a great ministry. Me and Angela actually went to high school together at Topeka High. Um, Andy, we knew, I knew from Topeka Bible Church, and, you know, I consider them both my friends, and uh, it's been great to work with Andy, and I thought, what better Sunday than uh, today, if I was going to do this, to do it today. Um, also, Andy, you know, he killed about 15, 20 minutes for me, so it makes my job a lot easier. So, <laughs> you know, I don't have to do the whole 30-minute thing, so, uh, um, with that, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, I have a question for you guys, and I don't think many would disagree, but if, if you were to look at the world in the state that we're in, if you weren't here for Sunday School, Andy showed us a video about just some t- statistics about um, teens and where they're at. Um, man, those statistics were dawning. Um, between that and some of the other things that are going on, um, you'd probably agree with me if I was to say that the world is bad, um, that it's, it's struggling, um, that it's a hurt time. Um, you know, we live in a time of the credit crunch is, is an obvious economic term we use today. We have rising gas prices. I mean, they just keep going up and up, and our, our bank accounts get smaller and smaller. Um, we have terrorist threats. We have global warming. Um, we, have all, we, we have what's perceived as a general decline in morality in the Western culture, in the Western world. All would lead us to the conclusion that the, that the world in some way is bad, um, but there's a, there's a catch to this whole idea of it, of it being bad. I really do believe, and I, and I believe that Paul, when he's writing to the church in Corinth and, and 1 Corinthians, he's talking about this issue of, of, of badness because, and I'll touch on it a little bit more, um, one of the ideas, and if, if you know much about the church of Corinth, um, one of the ideas that was seeking in was Gnosticism, um, the Gnostic idea that this world is inherently bad, that we are, we are almost spirits contained within a body, that is, that is evil, that is material, material is bad. And so when we, when we get to Christ and when, they, when the Gnostics talk about who Christ was, and, it's, and this is obviously a heretical um, teaching, that Christ really wasn't a human being, that us Orthodox Christians believe, um, that he was the appearance of a human being because Christ couldn't have been perfect if, if, he, if he was material. And so he's speaking about this idea um, that has crept into our, uh, crept into the mentality of that, that the evil is bad. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to tie that in. Um, I, I chose first Corinthians 15, chapter 15. I told Mike, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Have you guys ever read chapter 15 of first Corinthians? It is, it is thick. And if you haven't, I encourage you to do so. And that's where we're going to be talking out of. I thought, you know, maybe I could break it down and man, it is, it is a thick chapter and it's, it's beautiful. Um, if you talk to some of my friends or, you know, talking to Ken and Dan, um, and uh, Mike or uh, Dan McElroy, um, I've been going over and meditating on First Corinthians chapter 15 because it's so beautiful. There's so much good stuff in it. Um, before I get started, though, I think the appropriate thing to do is just to pray. So, if you would, you can bow your heads with me, and um, I'll pray before we begin to enter into this, into this lesson. <clears throat> Father God, we just we just take a breath now, just to kind of gather ourselves as we um, encounter your Scripture. Lord, um, we just thank you for the blessings that you, you are giving us and showing us. Um, Lord, we just want to thank you for Andy and Angeline for coming here and, and, and talking to us about Young Life and the ministry and the work that they're doing. Um, Father, 
we ask that you would stretch our minds, that you would uh, put in us hearts that would be uh, willing to learn. Um, Father, would you guide us now? Would you fill us with the Holy Spirit and uh, give us teachable hearts? Um, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the blessings you've shared us or, or given us. Um, and we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. So, this uh, this semester's been pretty rough on me. I am uh, I work full time. Hold on, guys. There we go. I work full time for the city. Um, I work for the water water department, specifically the water treatment plant. I'm also taking classes at Washburn. Um, my major will be at uh, Manhattan Christian College in, um, in Biblical Studies, but I also um, am taking some psychology classes to kind of build up a uh, sort of a, a case for going into uh, counseling specifically. Um, I'm taking three classes that are psychology in nature or psychological in nature. Um, that being said, you got to learn, you got to know AP style. If you've taken a sociology class, uh, a social work class, a psychology class, you, you guys might know about APA style. And it's tough. And, I, and I've had kind of a crash course. And I'll take my papers over to Grace, um, my girlfriend, and she'll look at them because that that's like her ace in the hole. And she'll look at them. She's like, Steve, what is this? You know, she just thrashes it. And, I, you know, I start over. But it's been great. But what you learn in APA style, it's like one of the first principles you learn is to give credit where credit is due. Um, and so that being said, I, I, this stuff that I'm coming up with, I need to give some credit to some references that I used. Um, first was um, Gordon Fee. Is that, is that right? That Mike uh, Halpin, he actually gave me this com- commentary. It's, it's a commentary on 1 Corinthians by Gordon Fee. Um, just a great uh, reference. I mean, it's a huge book and um, just a brilliant guy. He's a, he was a professor when it was written at least at Regent Theological Seminary. Another one is uh, Craig Blomberg. Um, he wrote the NIV application commentary on uh, 1 Corinthians. Um, he's a uh, professor at Dallas, or not Dallas, um, Denver Theological Seminary. Um, he's also, I think he was in uh, the book Case for Christ as the first guy interviewed. Um, just has written some great stuff on the historical reliability of scriptures, sort of fend off some of the liberal criticism. And then another one, um, and when I say this guy, I want you to just kind of give me some grace when I say him because I know some of his, his positions um, have been a little sketchy. Uh, N.T. Wright, um, I say that because while he's had some positions that might be a little sketchy, he's done, I think he's been a kind of a champion of sorts for um, fending off some of the, the darts that the liberal... Uh, uh, theologians or, or critics, especially the Jesus Seminar, has thrown at the historical uh, view of Jesus. And so uh, these three guys, his books uh, specifically was a book called Surprised by Hope um, that, that, that really started getting this ball rolling on, on dwelling on 1 Corinthians 15. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try, like I said, to tie everything back together. But what I want to do right now is just start at verse 3 and read. I know it sounds extreme, but um, verse 11. What I want to say, too, is some of you guys might be here already. You might have already arrived to this point, and so this is, this is no, no new stuff for you. I'm not trying to be an innovator. Um, it's just something that has been on my heart specifically now and that God's bringing to my attention and that I'm, I'm being changed and dynamically changed by it. And so um, some of you might be like, that's great, Steve, but I, that was 10 years ago for me. And uh, if, you, if, if so, give me the grace in that, and uh, hopefully we'll learn something new. Um, so let me start with verse 3. It says, For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. All right, is that Cephas? Mike, how do you say that? Is it Cephas? Yeah, that's actually, it's Peter. 
um, the, the Apostle Peter, um, Cephas was actually uh, Aramaic for Peter, um, according to one of my commentaries. And so um, he's using the Aramaic, Aramaic name instead of the Greek name. And says, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to the, uh, the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles until to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked hard, harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we, we, we go to these resources. I mean, uh, when I was a, a senior in college, I've already referenced that The Case for Christ came out, and it was a huge book for me, apologetically speaking, that really solidified my faith. Um, but if you read the Gospels especially, and also um, just the New Testament itself, it, it kind of presents a case as being extremely apologetic at times. And, and this, is, this is what I love about Paul, um, is that he's, first of all, we have to look at the church of Corinth and what's going on. Um, they had, for whatever reason, some of them stopped believing in the idea of the resurrection. They began to question uh, the idea of resurrection itself and, and whether or not Christ was truly raised. And it, when you, you read the book of, of, of 1 Corinthians, um, you know, one question you could ask yourself is, if I were to ask you guys what, what church... In, in biblical times was one of the would be the key or the the prototypical prototypical rebellious church i think we'd all say the church in corinth i mean they they were just a mess and you know between sexual immorality and what's this whole deal idea about speaking in tons and you know what's the role of women in ministry and 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 now we get to the resurrection paul is having to lay out so many details about uh church behavior and church in church life and he comes to this whole this whole uh point in chapter 15 about the resurrection and in the church of Corinth, people had stopped believing in the idea of the resurrection as even if it was untrue. And so when we get to starting in chapter 3, Paul's saying um, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. I love this point because Paul, Paul's basically saying in, the, in, this, in, this, in this part is, look, you guys don't believe in the resurrection. Go check it out for yourself. If the resurrection didn't happen then go ask Peter or go ask these people that are still alive because they're going to tell you. We saw them. And, 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 and so it's, it's a great, it's kind of, I, I forget how apologetic in nature sometimes scripture can be itself um, because, you know, when I wrestle with these things, I, I come across these verses. I'm like, yeah, obviously, you know, obviously this is true because here's Paul laying it out for people. He's like, look, if, if, there's, if there wasn't a resurrection, then there would, you know, Jesus would still be in a tomb, but he's not. He's appeared to me and he's appeared to others. And so you can ask a whole bunch of people and they're all going to tell you the same thing, that Christ was resurrected. And, and I just love that about him. Um, he goes on in, in, in verses 12 through, through 19 and he's just basically saying if the resurrection didn't happen, um, and, I'll, and I'll read it just for the sake of reading it, and I, I, I love reading scripture anyhow. So it says, um, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead and then Christ has not been raised... And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he had been, um, that he had been raised. Whom he did, um, that he, let's see, I lost my place, that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. And 16, it says, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're, you are still in your sins. 
um, then those also who have died in Christ have perished. It is for this life only we have hoped in Christ. We are all people um, most to be pitied. Paul, Paul is basically saying if, if the resurrection is a joke, um, if, if we have no hope, and, and this, was, this chapter is all about is hope. If we have no hope, um, and, and, and truly Christ isn't raised, then we're, we're, we're just, we're messed up. We're, we're the biggest idiots ever because we, we've really messed up. Um, there's really no point of going about this faith. Um, it, it's really interesting. I, I really don't understand. And, and Paul goes on in, in, in verse, what is that, 33, to basically say he, he's, he's reciting a sort of Epicurean thought of the time. Or, and I can't remember the, the, the exact author or, or the phrase who this was credited to, but it says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Basically saying if, if, if there is no resurrection, if we have no hope in the resurrection, um, if we don't have hope, um, and hope being defined in Christ who's died and, and, and the promised resurrection for ourselves, then let's just live it up. Let's just, I mean, why are we going about this? Um, and, and what's funny is he kind of, you know, jumping around Scripture, I know I am, but he, he, he goes on and, and before that, before he comes to this conclusion, he, he says, um, let's see, sorry, I'm going to pause real quick. Um, and verse 30 says, And why are we putting ourselves in danger every hour, every hour? I die every day. That is certain. Brothers and sisters, as my boasting of you. Um, what's the, basically, I think what he's saying and leading up to this point is, I'm not going to stick my neck out here on the line if, if what I'm preaching and, and what I'm te- trying to teach you guys and convey to you guys is that Christ truly hasn't been raised. Um, if, if, that, if that's a fact, if I don't really believe these things, then let's eat and drink and be merry because... I'm running a race that, that I can't win, um, that I'm, I'm, preaching, uh, I'm preaching an idea that, that's, that's, that's not true. And, and, and this is where I want to get to and where I want to go with this, guys, is that and unfortunately within our, in the church, and especially with the liberal church, we've sort of, they've sort of discredited the resurrection. And it's, it's kind of a shame because without the resurrection of Christ, we don't have anything to pin our hopes on. The foundation, the cornerstone of Christianity is the empty tomb. And that's why we get together on Easter and we celebrate the resurrection of Christ because in the resurrected tomb, we have hope. Not only do we have hope of eternal life, that's, and I think we've missed maybe a little bit of this point, of, that's, that's, that's a great benefit is the hope of eternal life. But that's only a piece. Not only is there the hope of eternal life, um, but there's, there's also, also so much more because when we accept Christ and when we, our lives are transformed by the power of Christ, um, we begin to actively be a part of what's known as the kingdom of God and, and working within the kingdom to, uh, to bring about the work of, of our Father. Um, <clears throat> and so, just give me a second. I'm going to go through my notes real quick to make sure I haven't not touched on anything. Yeah, um, with that being said, it just brings me back to the, the question that I started out with. Um, basically, the world is bad. I mean, it, it, it is bad. I mean, those statistics were horrible. Um, you know, I debated on whether or not uh, sharing this, this story with you, but if you, if you look at the media, you can find it. Um, long story short, there was a, a lady at Yale Art School that basically did her, art, her art project was uh, basically she had a series of abortions over, a, over her semester, and that was her documentation of these abortions. Um, and you can check it out on, on Yale Press. Um, over a period of time, the show, you know, to her that was art, the whole process, process of abortions. And, and I know that's horrible, but that being said, there's, there's real work for us to do because I think we start to take on the mentality that the world's bad, 
So let's just throw in the towel or let's just hide in the hills or run for the hills and wait for Christ to come back. And, and guys, I'm so excited for the day that we are, are given uh, our resurrected bodies. And, and Paul goes in on verse 35 to talk about this. He, he, be, he starts to talk about what, what were our resurrected bodies look like. And he compares our, our, our bodies now to the bodies that we'll expect or we'll get when, when Christ um, returns is basically like trying to compare a seed to a flower. You, you don't know what kind of, of flower you're going to get by just looking at the seed. And, and when you start to picture this idea of, of, of the resurrection and the restoration of all things, it's this beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, that being said, the world, the world is bad. And it, it's, it's, it's at times, it, it's, really, um, it's a really tough place. I mean, you guys have heard my story of working for uh, the city and sort of the gruffness that I've had to put up with. And at times, you just kind of want to throw in the towel. But we can't discredit what Paul is trying to say because at the very end of this, this chapter, um, I just love it. And for some reason, it's just really encouraging, but it's, um, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really encouraging to me. He says in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you <clears throat> know that, the Lord, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Um, Paul, Paul is telling the church, he, he's kind of laid out this argument for the resurrection, and, and now he's telling us, we, we have work to do. Um, we've been given this hope, we've been given this, 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 um, this idea of hope, but that's, that's not the end of it. It's just not something that we just keep with ourselves and, until the day that we die so we can go to heaven, that there's, there's real work and, and, and encouraging us to, to partake in that work. And um, so it left me with the question of, of what does that work look like here for the Church of Lion and the Lamb? And I'm not going to scold us, you know. I'm not going to scold you guys and, 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 and be like, you're not doing anything because we are. That's why we have Andy come up here to talk about Young Life because we're supporting a ministry that I, I truly believe, and that's why I helped out, that's doing the work of, of, of God, that is, is doing kingdom work um, and bringing the light to uh, teens that just don't have much hope. Um, and, and that's beautiful, and that's good. And we're, we're supporting other missions here in town, the Topeka Rescue Mission. And um, Kent, what's the, is it the crisis pregnancy or? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's another one that we're supporting. And we're not only, start, we're not only stopping here, but we're, we're supporting missions in, in, in overseas. We're supporting um, Voice of the Martyrs, and we're supporting um, uh, missionaries in India, and specifically in Haiti right now, people that desperately need to hear the good news of, of Jesus Christ. And, and so um, those are blessings, and, and that's great work. Um, but I don't want us to think of our work, and this is, this is what I was trying to get to, and I, I might have done a bad job of tying it in. I apologize, guys. But I don't want, to, want us to think of our work as a Band-Aid that we put over the world just to get us until the point that Christ returns. Because he's going to come back, and it's going to be great when he comes back, but it, it kind of goes with the idea of us being sort of the lights of the world and the instruments of peace, um, the bringers about justice. Um, I know I don't mean to sound... We're having this big topic in Sunday school, our discussion in Sunday school, emergent um, or emerging, and, you know, the whole play on conversation and all those sorts of things. And I'm not trying, you know, obviously I have my problems with the emerging church, but, um, yeah, it, I don't want it to sound too much like that, but um, we, are, we are supposed to be those light and, and, and bringing about this, this sort of, this hope that, that, that we find in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, it's just beautiful. Um, the last thing I, I wanted to say um, to you guys was um, sometimes when we come across um, our, our experience in, in Christianity, we have doubts. I, and maybe I'm just foreign. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that struggles at times and, and has, has doubts. 
But when I come across 1 Corinthians 15, it, he makes a really convincing argument. And um, at one point, Paul, and I just lost my place, but he, he says, uh, come to a sober and right mind and sin no more, for some people have no knowledge of God. Um, I love that because, because of the fact that sometimes when your heart and your mind aren't on the same accord, you, you find it hard to, to, to believe. Um, or you, to, to trust in, in, in God. And he, he's saying, just come to your right mind. Snap out of it. He's like, it's true. Start asking people. Start just thinking about it, thinking, thinking about it in a rational mind, and you'll find that the resurrection is absolutely true. And if the, if the resurrection is absolutely true, guys, that changes the way we live. Because we stop worrying about a nuclear holocaust. We stop, stop worrying about the, the terrorist attacks. Yeah, those frighten us, yeah. But we can, we can live in a sense that we know what's to come, which is the resurrection. When, when, when God comes back and, 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 uh, and just restores us, and I'm really excited about that. And, and so I just want to encourage you guys, if that's something you're, struggle, you're struggling with, um, I would just say read 1 Corinthians 15. That's, it's been a great encouragement to me, and that's really all I wanted to share with you. And so I'm, I'm glad you guys made it. I don't see, I see maybe a couple people sleeping, so that's good. I only got a couple go out now. Um, but I would just, yeah, that's what I have to say. Um, I would just ask that you guys would pray with me um, as, as, I, as I stop now and uh, the worship band comes up. <clears throat> Father God, 1 Corinthians 15 has been something that you, obviously you know is I've been focused on a lot in quiet times. And, you know, I don't know, God, why I decided to share it. And I mean, I do. It's, it's been something you've been teaching me, Lord, about um, sort of wrestling with ideas and um, the resurrection and, and how beautiful that looks, Lord. Um, Lord, we just, Lord, we love reading Scripture because it's true. And, and because um, as a church, line to line, is, uh, we're not scared of, of truth. And um, we love the fact that when we read the scripture that our minds are transformed, our hearts are, are molded and softened by you, and uh, um, that we are given wisdom and, and, uh, and, and through it an understanding of you. Um, Father, we just ask that you would uh, help us with, at times with maybe some of the doubts we have Help us with, with the idea of maybe a sense of hopelessness about the world and, and where it's going. And um, Lord, we just pray that we would be instruments, Lord, that we are, we are citizens of your kingdom and that we as a church would be kingdom people working in the kingdom of God to, to, be, uh, to show your hope to the world. Lord, if there's a chance for us to love on somebody, to pray for somebody, God, will you just, will you just convict us there? Will you just encourage us to to uh, bless them in that situation, Lord. And if, if there's something that, um, and especially in this week, Lord, that um, we have an opportunity to serve someone, Lord, would you just bless that and encourage us in that opportunity that we would serve those that, that might be in need or uh, that don't know you, Lord. Lord, I would just pray that this week especially we would just be lights to the world, that um, we won't get bogged down by all the all the stuff going on with finances and um, not to trivialize these things because they're important, but um, all the rumors of war and um, all the uh, the unrest with the upcoming elections and, and whatnot, Lord, and um, and just trust you and uh, live by your grace. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all the blessings you've given us, Lord. Encourage us this week. May we find rest in you, Lord. Lord, we love you and uh, we ask that you would continue to shape us. In Jesus' name, amen.